Good evening. We want to welcome you to the preview edition of the Hog Talk Podcast, powered by the law offices of Robertson, Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson PLLC, with offices in Springdale, Fort Smith, and Ozark. They are the oldest full-service law firm in the River Valley, as well as Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information <clears throat> from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head over to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BLEAV50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And we will go now to the Camelot Exteriors hotline and bring in. Brian Scott Rippey of Rebel Grove. Is it the Rebel Grove podcast or just Rebel Grove? Uh, RebelGrove.com. It's, okay, uh, RebelGrove.com. Uh, Rippey Wright's podcast, which obviously <laughs> makes go. no sense, but there's a story there that uh, probably for another day. Uh, <laughs> well, we've had you on before. We, we've had you on many times. First time going live, brother, so I appreciate, of course, man, with games changing and th- schedules changing, I appreciate you, you coming on today because I think we were scheduled to come on Thursday, but... There's a women's basketball game going on Thursday night that I'm going to go to. So, again, appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to another one of these long lost uh, when it gets in the mix of, you know, rivalry game. And I another one that's low key gets taken away when the game, I think, when the game got moved away from when the Little Rock games really got taken away. And there was that chance of Ole Miss and Arkansas meeting in Little Rock to play and the, the lackluster with Lane coming in and being more of a competitive against Alabama, you know, Arkansas Ole Miss game kind of gets lost in the in the limelight sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I think in a lot of ways this game was a little bit of, uh, you know, when it got weird, I'd say the embodiment of where Arkansas and Ole Miss were as programs at the time. I know some of that, a lot of that. The weirder games I think of is Chad Morris. Obviously, there's a classic 2015 game when, uh, Bielema was still there. But, I mean, Ole Miss was vying for the West that year, and Arkansas had a tough year, but, I mean, they were still pretty competitive. The weird ones in between seem more bred out of uh, incompetence, kind of similar to the Egg Bowl. <laughs> but, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of uh, – I mean, I'd say lost its luster. So, it's just one of those weird things where, like, Ole Miss hasn't been to Fayetteville, I think, since 2016 is the last time I remember being there. Um, maybe I have that wrong. No, 2018 what? there, Little Rock was – What's crazy is twenty. That's right. I yeah. didn't go, which is why I lost the case. Sorry. So first, like full crowd capacity in you know over half a decade. So that's probably a little bit of a piece of it as well. But I mean, this this series always does kind of breed strange results. So uh, I do think it will be a competitive game and a fun one for sure. Yeah, and that Henry Heave is always brought up. You know, when it comes to weird moments in in Ole Miss and Arkansas. You know, and that was I, I cannot remember off the top of my head. What, what year that was, but <clears throat> coming into this matchup, you know, Ole Miss, you know, with that heartbreaker against Alabama, where at times they looked like they had everything in control, and, and Dart was there at the first. It looked like he was just having his way with the secondary, and I was like, man, it, it's just watching the game throughout. I didn't get to watch the whole game play by play, but what little I was watching, there at the beginning, it, it seemed like, Either Alabama really adjusted really well to what Ole Miss was doing or something just fell off. But, I mean, just talk about the performance against Alabama and just what do you think it is when it comes to Lane just not being able to get over that hump when it comes to to beating Nick Saban? 
Sure. I think it was a couple of different things. Ole Miss, a lot of times, particularly early on in football games, have had a lot of success on the first two drives. I'm not sure there's really anybody better in the country at being effective on script as Ole Miss. I mean, they go down their first two drives at LSU and really just move the ball with ease down the field, get up 14 nothing in that game. A little bit of the same against A&M. They go right down the field and score a touchdown. And they're playing with tempo. It seems a lot of, like a lot of times early in games they're giving dart um, – Quick routes, but that shouldn't be confused for shallow routes. Quick hitting stuff, kind of post corners, um, quicker reads where they're pushing the football down the field, but there's not a whole lot of the field to survey and pushing it in pretty rapid fashion at that point. And then tempo doesn't really live forever in college football. I mean, you know, other defenses get a little bit used to it. It's really impossible to play with that sense of urgency every single time you're out there. I'd say Tennessee's probably the closest thing to perfect at doing that. But when the game gets bogged down and you get off script in those third, fourth drives of the game, kind of leaking into the second and the third quarter, Ole Miss hasn't been effective. And that was a little bit of the case, I thought, against Alabama. Um, but also, I think Alabama's defense is still pretty good, right? That defensive line with Dallas yeah. Turner and Will Anderson really caused Ole Miss problems when they got into obvious passing situations. And there's a point about – but I guess there's about three minutes left to go in the second quarter. Ole Miss has the football up 10 points. You're thinking at minimum that it'll be 17 to 10 at halftime. Maybe if they put a good drive together, you'll attack on three more or even seven more. Zach Evans gets concussed on the play, fumbles the ball. Alabama scores with about a minute left in the half and it's 17-14. And, you know, that was kind of a uh, the backbreaker from the turnover standpoint, but they also lost Zach Evans for the rest of that game. And as great as Quinshawn Judkins is, Evans is a really valuable piece to that offense um, because he's a different type of runner. He allows Ole Miss to stretch it on the edges a little bit more and complement Judkins well. And then I think what you saw at the very end of the game was Judkins was just out of gas, right? They have that final drive. Judkins takes them most of the way down the field. And everyone's wondering at the end of the game, why in the world did they not give it to him for those final 14 yards? Well, Kiffin said, acknowledged that he probably would have done some things differently, but also also acknowledged that he was gassed. Judkins was really just out of gas at that point. And so I think that was a little bit of it. Ole Miss has had trouble pass blocking and obvious passing downs this year, and Alabama's defensive line surely made a tay on that. So I think there was a combination of that. And then the best player on the football field was Bryce Young, bar none. He really just kind of willed them to the victory at that point. So when you look at it at the grand scheme of things, like it's beginning to get to that point where it's like, I don't like, can he get over the hump? But this was also year three after a COVID year being your year one. He replaced, you know, 50% of his offense, about 60% on the defensive side and was still sitting there at eight and one with a chance to win that game late. And so I don't know if it's that to that point of desperation yet, but this one certainly stung because it felt like Ole Miss missed an opportunity instead of playing a fluky game where they played above their heads. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and you think, you know, last year you think, you know, the shootout Arkansas had and the team that, you know, Ole Miss had and, Coming into this year, you know, you have Dart, and you, you know, you always look kind of like how Arkansas looks at the Texas A&M game, like, all right, we're, we're, we need to get this game. We always circle. I mean, I know the Egg Bowl, but I'm talking about outside looking in when, when SEC fans are circling games. I guess for me personally, I always circle that Ole Miss-Alabama game, that one game where we think, all right, Lane's, Lane's going to finally get him this year, you know. And, and then coming into the Arkansas game, it's kind of weird because – we we was like one of the suitors, you know. We 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 were playing track and lane, and we thought he was coming to Arkansas, and we ended up going with with Pittman, and you know now Lane's at of course at Ole Miss. But what do you think the mindset is for Ole Miss? I mean, of course, you know Arkansas is just limping into this game, you know. And I guess what what's the mindset of from the Ole Miss side of how they see Arkansas as a program, you know, 
coming into the game and and what do you think they're really going to key on when when coming in because it's not a tough it's always a tough environment we've seen lsu you know number seven team in the country how they struggled what what do you think the keys are for Ole miss coming into the game well i think this week is going to be a real test for Ole miss from its mental fortitude standpoint because i mean from all accounts it was a pretty dejected locker room for Ole miss last week i mean their sec west hopes went out the door their chances of backdooring all like unlikely as it may be in this weird year as a one loss team into the college football playoff without getting to Atlanta, even if LSU went out, that went out the door. And so this team, you know, whether it was rational belief or not really believed, and that was their goal to come in and win the West and contend for a championship. And they entered the second or third week of November with an opportunity to do so, had a chance to finish it off and didn't do it. And so now you're going to go on the road, in cold weather, in a good environment, against another good football team, even though Arkansas, I know, has struggled this year from an injury standpoint. Every team in the West, you know, I should say, there's one team in the West every year that seems to kind of have the year from hell standpoint where nothing goes right. I would not put (laughs) A&M and Auburn in that category because that's more incompetence, but more so we can't catch a break type of thing. It seems like the year Arkansas is having. But one of the things I've noticed, and I may be wrong on this, but they've gotten up for every game they've played. There really hasn't been a game where they were – you know, threw in the white flag and was like, all right, this just isn't it this year. And I think that's a credit to Sam Pittman and kind of the health of the program from that standpoint. They're also looking to get bowl eligible. And I know that's been watered down a little bit in this modern day and age of college football, but it does matter, the extra practices and everything else. I know they got another good shot at Missouri the next week. But point being, I don't see Arkansas laying down in this game at all. Arkansas runs the ball really effectively. Ole Miss uh, probably the biggest surprise last week was how well they fared against uh, Jameer Gibbs in the run because that's something they hadn't done very often um, you know, in the past couple weeks and really for much of the year. So I think most of what Ole Miss, like what it will be about for Ole Miss this week is how do you get back up when most of your tangible goals and your tangible dreams, for the lack of a better phrase, were crushed the week before? Because I do think getting to 10 wins matters and having the back-to-back 10-win seasons and maybe backdooring your way into an access bowl, who knows. I think that matters instead of fizzling out and going, you know, 9-3 and three or 8-4 and four and something like that. So, really, I will wonder how much emotion Ole, Ole Miss shows up to play with on Saturday night. And, you know, and I feel like college football has its levels and tiers and expectations. And when we look at the tiers, you look at the Alabamas, and it's crazy to say, like, if you lose – Two games. It's like, oh, my God, the sky's falling in. Well, Arkansas and, and Ole Miss would kill for that level of, well, if two games, we lose two games, the sky's falling in. Because, I mean, especially you're sitting at five and five, you could wish you were, you know, and then there's certain aspects of the game. You look at the Texas A&M game, the field goal. I mean, you could be sitting, and, and then the two-point conversion against Liberty. We could what if ourselves to death. What if Arkansas would have kicked the field goal and went into overtime with LSU? But I think when you're talking about the grand scheme of bowl games, it matters to teams on the level of we want to get to a bowl game and use those practices. I think the elite teams that live and die on the CFP and getting in the college football playoffs, if they don't make it, then they're like, well – it's almost like they're on a different level, and if their expectations are below what they feel, then they just kind of give up. But you look at the teams below, like an Arkansas, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, all those teams that make bowl games, they really cherish it. Look at South Carolina. They went to the Dukes Mayo Bowl, and, I mean, you know, you don't have guys sitting out at, at the, at, let's see, like four, five, six guys sitting out and opting out. They go because, man, they fought hard all year, and – 
they, they want some reward at the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that the whole opting out phenomenon has kind of coincided with the college football playoff and it has devalued bowl games and Ole Miss absolutely as it pertains to this year had that expectation as I mentioned like you know they want to compete for a championship they got pretty far along I think they got some fortuitous breaks with the way the schedule broke out having both Auburn and A&M be so much further down than I think anyone anticipated I don't think anybody thought things were going to go well with Auburn this year but it somehow is worse than I imagined and then of course nobody predicted the A&M aspect of it and so you know, they were right there till the month of November, as I just outlined, and it, it, it kind of slipped away. And so I think it kind of is just team-dependent and year-dependent, right? Like if Arkansas this year can scrap and get 7-5 and five or something like that and get into a decent bowl game, I think you think they'll be excited about being there. Whereas, like, if Ole Miss goes 10-2 and two and ends up in a good Florida Bowl, I don't think they'll have much of a shot at an access bowl because of how the pecking order is shaking out. I think they would probably be a little more charged up to be there than, say, if they lost out, went 8-4, and four and ended up in – Nashville or wherever you want to stick them at that point. I just think it's kind of all about the current state of the program when you get to that point. Because, like, I mean, Ole Miss is what, like five and five or whatever it was when they made the Outback Bowl during the COVID year, and they're damn happy to be there. Now, if Ole Miss had gone six and six or something like that, I know the COVID year is different this year. I don't think they'd be as excited to be in that sort of environment and in that bowl environment. So I just think it kind of depends on the team and the year. And so – that really is kind of the question, like how, how excited will Miss be for these final couple of weeks and how how would that affect their bowl trajectory? I'm fascinated to see. Well, and then you look at, at and I'm not saying the fall of Alabama. I'm looking at, at the, the Western Division and how there seems to be a changing of the tide going back to the east. I, I'm old enough to remember Georgia and Tennessee and Florida ruling the SEC, right. you know, in the east. So it's almost like, it, it, it you know, it's going back to that way because Kirby's just completely just built this monster. And you're talking about, you know, Ole Miss in the bowl game at two, 10 to 2. They might got, I think a lot of it has to do with your Tennessees and your Georgias. Now they're coming up. There wasn't just Georgia out of the East, and that was it. You know, because I mean, I know Kentucky's kind of made a name for themselves, but the past couple of years, it's been Georgia in the East. And then it's been, I've, I've even joked being, being a Clemson fan, that's like outside of Georgia. The SEC East was the ACC. There was no true big dog when it come to, you know, competitiveness. Now you have t- – I mean, all it takes is one team. I mean, Kentucky's kind of fallen off, but you've at least got two teams in the East that, you know, they beat each other with Georgia the beat down over Tennessee. But I think that plays a lot into what I was going to ask you about Ole Miss is like you – you see Alabama lose those two games and you can taste the blood in the water. And it's like, if we're going to get these guys, I think this year needs to be, because you see the recruiting class coming in. So it's almost like, is that why do you think there was that much of a dejected locker room after the game? Because this was their chance. If they felt any year they had to beat them, this was it. I think that's a piece of it. I think a lot of it was probably more so geared toward to, albeit after that Arkansas-LSU game, for Ole Miss's sake, there being an outside shot at the West, but just remaining in the mix and remaining in that playoff contention. But I do think that's a piece of it. And honestly, I think a lot of it is that Ole Miss probably left that game, felt like they played the better football game and had the better football team that day. Now, Alabama had the best player on the field, bar none. You can make an argument that Jameer Gibbs and Will Anderson are three and four, but just all together, the way that game played out, I mean, not that any of this matters because they didn't win the game, but I mean, they outgained them. It wasn't a thing where they fell incredibly ahead in the turnover battle or behind. It's pretty even there. 
time of possession, Ole Miss slipped up in a little bit. But point being, Ole Miss played a really, really good football game. It wasn't a fluke thing, and they just weren't able to finish. I mean, if you watch the last 18 minutes of that game, you'd sit there and wonder, how in the world did they not win this? How are they losing with five minutes to go? It was one of those type of things, and it's just very rare to be in that situation when the Alabama was the opponent. And so I think it just felt like one gigantic missed opportunity. And it really the entire year was, right? When's the next time you're going to catch – uh, you know, Auburn down, A&M down, Arkansas injured and kind of battering to the finish line. Alabama, not really the version of them where you're seeing Twitter allowed, you know, a rebuilding LSU program with Brian Kelly to win the West in their first year. Right? That's crazy. Like, when is the next yeah. time you're going to catch that? Even if they have a better football team next year, they have to go to <laughs> Auburn, they have to go to Alabama, and they add Georgia to the East rotation. So, mm. like, this, I mean, it, you know, you can have better football teams, but the breaks may not go your way. And so I just think it felt like one gigantic missed opportunity for them. And that's how we felt during the Liberty game. I mean, Liberty was ranked, but we were a 14-point, you know, yeah. favorite. And and it was one of them games afterwards I was like, you, you like you're reading off the stats and you're like, well, we outgained them. I mean, we were doing the same thing in the Liberty game. Like, we – just the stats and what you're looking at compared to theirs, it's like, how did we lose this game? How did you let a team like Liberty? And I know a lot of it, you're looking at the front of the jersey and the name on the jersey. If that would have been LSU's name on the jersey, you would have been like, okay, I see, you know. But also, I felt like the fans were more pissed off that they lost to LSU than the Liberty game. I mean, it was like, and that's what the, the, the fans here, you know, it's like when, when they lost to Liberty, it's like, okay, we're done for the season. We're going to go 0-4. They play LSU the way they did, and they're like, man, we had that. It's like that anticipation of, man, we thought we had that game. So coming into this game, it's going to be a very – just how Ole Miss is looking at the game. I feel Arkansas is going to be looking the same way because from what we're hearing, KJ's coming back, and we don't know how ready he's going to be. We've seen some turmoil when it comes to – you know, certain players going on social media and saying things after press conferences and stuff. So – from the inside out, we don't know how this team is looking, but it seems like they're putting all that stuff within that 60 minutes, putting that aside. Okay, look, we might not get along Monday through Sunday, but Saturday we're going to come together and play. And I think that's what the biggest hope comes to me when it really comes to this game. Yeah, I think Arkansas is getting a good shot in this game. I mean, they run the ball really well. Sanders is really good. If you get Jefferson back, that's something Ole Miss has really struggled to stop this year. Ole Miss is going to be a little banged up from the Alabama, um, from the, what was a pretty physical football game. And who knows what Jack, what Zach Evans' status is. I mean, look, uh, concussions are pretty impossible to predict. I get it's not as like regimented as the NFL with injury reports and all that, but who knows what that looks like. And so it's going to be tough for Ole Miss. I mean, they're going to have their hands full. I think for the entirety of this game, and I think for you know, if Ole Miss is able to win this, I think that will be a feather in their cap that they probably won't appreciate at the time, but I do think that will kind of a signal a, you know, kind of, I would say, elevation of the program a bit to where you can have, you don't let something compound it like that. You can go on the road and win a game like that and give yourself a damn good shot to go win 10 games for back-to-back years in a year where you recruited a essentially a 19-year-old redshirt freshman transfer quarterback, replaced a ton of your defense and a lot of your offensive weapons. Like, that to me would be a real kind of calling card to, oh, things are changing here. They're utilizing the portal better. And, you know, there's a way to do this other than to just stack up blue-chip recruits out of high school, Um, which I think that part of it is changing anyway. I think there's probably a coincidence in why you're seeing a little more upsets and some like almost upsets and you know the gap being closed between even Tennessee and Georgia even though it didn't look like it for that one day or Alabama and everyone else I I think it's becoming 
parity is being bred by like the changing of the rules in college athletics. And I think with the playoff going to 12, it's only going to continue to be that way. But point being, it would tell me that Ole Miss is trending in the right direction from a program standpoint. And you talked about a, a program like Ole Miss and, and the, the playoff expansion. I mean, how does that fit y'all? And, and we talked about before coming on you know, live about the possibility of would Lane leave for the Auburn job? Do you think that that lingering 12-game expansion would keep him at Ole Miss because you're right there on the cusp? You know, Ole Miss is that program that's always around 10, 12, 14. Do you think that bodes well for Ole Miss to, to keep Lane if you know there's a shot that you're probably going to get in every other year or every year, if not every other year? I think it helps. Um, let's just say Ole Miss does win its final two games. Let's say they win Saturday and beat State in the Egg Bowl. That's 10-2. and two. That probably puts them in top 12, and that would have meant back-to-back years they're in the college football playoff. Sure doesn't feel that way, right, yeah. when you watch them lose the Sugar Bowl or something like that. But it's I mean, it's it's just true, and it's coming. I don't know exactly how how quickly it's coming. I don't know if I necessarily believe this whole Dan Patrick 2024 thing, <laughs> but it is coming yeah. eventually. And so I do think that will help, and I think the portal has helped level the playing field a little bit. And as it pertains to Auburn and all of that, you know, I don't know. I, it's, it's possible to get inside the head of Lane Kiffin. I do think he is more content in Oxford, Mississippi, than maybe people would lend – you know, tend to believe. I don't think Lane Kiffin will be at Ole Miss for a decade. I'm not sure Lane will be anywhere for a decade. That's yeah. not really the kind of cat he is outside of Alabama. Look, Alabama comes calling in five years, probably will stay as long as they'll have him. And so I think there's a lot of different factors that go into that. Um, I don't think it's just a money thing like Auburn seems to think it is to where it's like they can be the highest bidder. I, I would say I feel pretty comfortable in saying Lane doesn't Money is not everything to Lane, and I know that sounds a little bit Pollyanna, but, I mean, Ole Miss, I think, will have the ability to get him to $10 bucks next year um, if all things go well. And so I don't think it's just about money. I think it's about kind of everything, where you're at as a program right now versus what's ahead of you in Auburn. I don't really get the NIL thing. Like, Auburn, like, you know, put out to a couple of reporters that they have $15 million in NIL. Like, is there receipts on that? Like, what, what yeah. is to stop someone from just saying, actually, we have 25 Like, I don't understand that. Well, look at it. A&M. I mean, I think and <clears throat> the way I exactly. see that NIL money is, I think it was a gold rush. It was a land rush. Everybody went and got their stake, their claim, and I think people are starting to see, where's this return of interest? We're, we're, look at yours. Look at, look at, I mean, even yeah. Bryce Young. I mean, he's not playing to that – Heisman caliber, and I know that's unfair to say to him, but it, but you know what? That goes with the the glamour of being a Alabama quarterback. That that'd be like, okay, let's give Brady in year three a hundred million dollars, and then he doesn't win a Super Bowl for three years. That's the crazy thing to say that Bryce Young, I can't remember, would be the last starting quarterback to never win a national championship as a starting quarterback. And you know that's got to eat at him because I can't remember. the. I mean, you got to go way back to where. And then you look at the other people that now they're in. They might say they're getting a million. When's the next time? Look at, I mean, my DJ, he was the face of Dr. Pepper, and that lasted to the end of the Georgia game last year. We didn't see him the rest of the year. Right. So this this NIL stuff, it's going to be a cash grab, but I think we're going to see lesser and lesser of because guess what? You're going to pay somebody a million dollars. For 10 games, what if they decide to opt out halfway through? I mean, there's so much that it seemed cool because everybody was doing it, but I think you're going to start seeing that go lesser and lesser as the years go on. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think there will be a 
market correction because you're having guys that you know rumored to get seven figures without playing it down of you know at, at major college football and like you know at 17 18 year olds are just bad investments in general I, I think as Andy Staples once coined it one time you just never really know but even as it pertains to like jobs and like resources and stuff like that like I, I was more like just talking about like you know I, I, someone with Auburn put that out there <laughs> what would stop Ole Miss or yep. Arkansas from just saying we have 20 million like who who's checking you on that like no. what is the downside to just completely making up a number you know what I mean I mean look when you get down the road with a coach and you're trying yeah. to get him to come there I imagine he's going to ask to see some sort of tangible evidence of those resources but they just put it out there and it was accepted as concrete fact I'm like could, could I see some sort of record like what how do we know this well and, so and, and, and the opposite side the opposite side of it and this is and this is no dig at anybody but this is what the University of Arkansas did we we come out with a tweet that we're bragging that as a university whole men's and women's we spent a million dollars on NIL overall so that's like dude, there's kids getting that and you're saying as a as your program as a whole everybody combined got a million dollars to me that wasn't a good look cuz it's like how you're trying to get people are going to Walmart and they're getting rich and you're the Dollar Tree over here bragging about a million. It's like either they're hiding money or something's going on, but it's just, but I wouldn't, we got on a little tangent, but I was going to ask you, do you think part of, you know, Lane's decision comes from, we're talking about that blood in the water with, with Alabama. Do you think he might see Saban kind of not saying it's next year, but maybe he sees that what he thought last year was five, six years down the road. Maybe it's two to three years down the road that that job comes open and he's not going to hop to Auburn and then go to Alabama, stay at Ole Miss, ride it out for a couple years, and then the Alabama job comes open in three years. Oh, I absolutely think there's a lot to that. And even if it's just six years or seven years that some of us may think it is, I still think that is part of his mindset. I, I think he's made it abundantly clear to those close to him. I mean, how you can even hear about it. like listen to him speak publicly about Alabama. Yeah. He talks about them differently. He talks about Bryce Young differently. Everything as it pertains to that, I do think he values that job. I think Lane values another shot at some point in the NFL, and I think he values the Alabama job. And I would say, you know, there's four or five other college jobs out there. If they came calling, he'd probably take it. I don't think the list is as long as you think. But Alabama is one of them, and – Look, would it be the weirdest thing ever in college football if a guy went to Auburn and then Alabama hired him once Saban retires? No, but I would say that would muddy the water to say the least. <laughs> yeah. And so I do think that is – if I had to take my best guess, I would say that that is definitely part of his thinking when it comes to that. And, and back to the game, you, we, we look at, you know, the last week in Arkansas's defensive effort against LSU. I mean, now you're looking at a team that you're coming into. You don't know what team you're bringing in. But now you really don't know what team you're going to get into with Arkansas. Are they going to be playing up? So what defensively, I mean, because we know Ole Miss is a heavy passing team, and that's where Arkansas's really kind of struggled this year. So what what do you think on a passing and, and looking at Arkansas's defensive that worries you? But where do you think some keys are that Ole Miss can be successful? Sure. I mean, I do think there will be opportunity in the passing game for Ole Miss just because of the way Arkansas secondary has looked for the majority of this year. But I think the key will for Arkansas on that standpoint will be how they fare against the run and can they get an Ole Miss in obvious passing situations? Because Ole Miss's passing game this year is not 
has been a little bit smoke and mirrors. I mean, they're they're a team centered around the way they run the football with Judkins and with Evans and even with Dart a little bit. The running, the passing game is good is when they're passing on non-obvious passing downs or getting some run action or play action or moving guys around in the backfield. When it gets to third and 11, third and 12, and it's an obvious passing down, Ole Miss hasn't fared very well. They play two freshman tackles who, you know, I thought have done a decent job for most of the year, but they don't hold up against good pass rushers on the other side, and that's been pretty apparent this year. And so I think Ole Miss could find success in the passing game particularly early because you've seen a lot of that with the tempo, but like, can they sustain that for three and a half quarters? And then the other side of that from an Arkansas standpoint, if you can get them in third and long, Ole Miss, I don't know what their conversion rate on third and eight plus is compared to the rest of the country, but it surely doesn't feel as good as actually, they've actually been a pretty good third down team as a whole, but that's because they've avoided a lot of third and long scenarios. And I know part of that sounds obvious, but my point being is if you make them drop back to pass where there's not much other option, Ole Miss has been kind of toothless this year, and I think that will be a big key in this game. So, as we wrap it up, uh, you know, your your key, maybe if you would give a prediction, what you think is going to happen on Saturday. Um, it's going to be cold, but it's not going to be 11 o'clock in the morning. It's going to be 6 o'clock night. So, at least they're going to have some time to wake up. And <laughs> instead of it being 25 degrees, it snowed the night before at 11 o'clock in the morning. But what do you think the key is to the game, to an Ole Miss win, and what is your prediction of the game? I think Ole Miss, if they can follow up their run performance last week and stopping the run and containing a mobile quarterback, no matter who it is, whether it's Hornsby or um, K.J. Jefferson, I think that's going to be a big key for the Ole Miss defense. They had a bye week for Alabama, got them healthier than they had been at all year. They were really, really struggling. They were very fortunate to get out of that A&M game alive. And so I think that will be a key to it. I think Ole Miss wins this game. I think they win a close one. I could see something in the 27-24 range. But I really, of the 10 games they played to this point, I would say this is in the top two of the least I've had a feel for because of what we discussed in the first 20 minutes of the podcast. I don't know what Ole Miss team shows up. And if Arkansas jumps out 10 or 14, nothing, and the defense doesn't get stops, if you told me to handicap it at that point, I'd put Ole Miss odds at winning the football game at like 5%. You know what I mean? Like It's one of those games where you'll learn a lot in the first two drives. So I think Ole Miss will probably win this game but if it, it, it if it is even a boat race the other way, it wouldn't stun me because that would tell me it was a team that was on its last leg and kind of had the air fall out of the balloon the week before. Yeah, and I think that's what we're, we're I'm hoping for. You know, we've been hearing all year. You know, just and that was my theory coming into the LSU game. Just after that Liberty game, the dejection and just how the whole week was just you could just see it was defeat. It, it was the first time it, and I, we had said it that. I felt Coach Pittman had lost the game that he was supposed to win at his time in Arkansas. So, I mean, that just gives you an extra kind of gut punch. And so, coming into this game, I see it as even, you know, because – and it's going to come down to who wants it more. You know, who's going to come off the loss and who – you know, we're LSU – or not LSU, but Ole Miss had something to play for last week of, you know, getting to the SEC championship game at long shot, but it's you still had something to play for. Now Arkansas is the one that, hey, we don't want to go into the Missouri game needing to win that game. You never want to go to your last game knowing you got to win that to get bowl eligible. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But I, I can't wait for it. It's going to be a good matchup. But we always appreciate you coming on, man. And I know I'm going to be hopping on with you and, and, and talking some football again. So uh, I can't wait to look forward to that. And then just tell where everybody can find you. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I'm BS Rippy, uh, B-S-R-I-P-P-E on Twitter. Uh, you can catch me at rebelgrove.com, the Rippy Rights podcast. And uh, I got a newsletter on Substack, which is rippyrights.substack.com. So uh, check it out. But I appreciate it. I enjoyed it as always, man. Hey, no problem, man. Well, that will do it for this episode of the Weekly Review presented by the law offices of Roberson, Shipley, Beasley, and Robinson and Bet Online. We're going to have our weekly women's sports report tomorrow night where we will have the head coach of the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff women's basketball coach and our big uh, recruiting review of our comment or our commits. So it's going to be a big show tomorrow night in an hour, and we'll catch you tomorrow night. That's my least favorite part of StreamYard is you got to wait till that thing stops spinning. 